When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison, and today we are going to cover some cool stuff. So let's get started with the In the News segment. Big news story of the past seven days. So according to SpaceCoastDaily.com, in 1962, when America was going to the moon, NASA established the Kennedy Space Center in Florida as its launch operations center. This month, the modernized multi-user spaceport marks its 59th anniversary while working to send Americans back to the moon, helping grow the commercial space industry and performing research that benefits humanity. If you want to read more about that, then check out SpaceCoastDaily.com. On to the Q&A segment. Therefore, in answer to your question. I thought it was kind of coincidental, but I actually got the question this week asking if I had ever been to the Kennedy Space Center. To which I can reply, yes. I was probably, oh, nine or ten, maybe. I remember wearing pigtails. I was probably too old for pigtails at that time, but I used to like pigtails, so I was wearing pigtails. But I digress. I went and I loved it. I remember being just super sucked into the whole experience, really thoroughly enjoyed learning about every single aspect and every single thing there and spending a lot of time <laughs> making my grandparents and my parents stay a really long time showing me around and everything. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would love to go back. We're actually in Florida quite a bit because we're big Disney people. So I would love to go back and see it all again and see what people President Kennedy had impact on since he obviously inspired the name and was a huge influential factor to the space program as a whole. So, yes, I've been there. And yes, I would like to go back. Next up, our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. This is from Ted Kennedy's speech at the DNC in 1980. A fair prosperity and a just society are within our vision and our grasp, and we do not have every answer. There are questions not yet asked waiting for us in the recesses of the future. But of this much we can be certain, because it is the lesson of all of our history. Together, a president and the people can make a difference. I have found that faith still alive wherever I have traveled across this land. So let us reject the council of retreat and the call to reaction. Let us go forward in the knowledge that history only helps those who help themselves. There will be setbacks and sacrifices in the years ahead, but I am convinced that we as a people are ready to give something back to our country in return for all it has given to us. Let this be our commitment. Whatever sacrifices must be made will be shared and shared fairly. And let this be our confidence. At the end of our journey and always before us shines that ideal of liberty 
and justice for all. All right, guys, let's get into the episode. Full transparency here, and please give me a little grace here. I have had a rough week just in life, so just letting you guys know it's been busy, it's been crazy, haven't felt too great, a lot of stuff going on in my life, and a lot of, just a lot of stuff in the works that I've been working on, all kinds of stuff. So I had this full plan to do this huge Ted Kennedy episode where I was just going to go through every single thing from his first day born to the end of his life and really get detailed in every single thing. And honestly, I didn't have time to do (laughs) all the research or the capacity to do all the research this week for that entire thing. I'm just being completely honest. I started to even not put an episode out this week at all. And then I thought, well, I want to put something out because I don't I don't like to promise an episode and then not deliver on that. But I hope you guys will understand this week and bear with me a little bit that I just got a lot of crap in life right now. And everything's fine. I'm just busy. (laughs) So um Anyway, I hope you will understand that. And please know that I have a really awesome episode coming for you next week. I've got a really cool interview lined up that I know you guys are going to love. So this week, I am going to dive into Ted Kennedy, but there will be a lot of aspects of his life that I won't really cover, i.e. his son's battle with cancer or the divorce with Joan or his marriage to his next wife, Vicky, things like that. I started going through and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much. There's just so much here. So I will definitely be doing some side podcasts about Ted, but I will do an overview a little bit of his early life and then I'm going to hit his career and then... As I said, I will, I promise, as always, I will get into those big other topics at later dates. Because remember, guys, this is a Kennedy-only focused podcast. So I will forever, for the foreseeable future, be focusing on only Kennedys. And that's going to be a lot of stuff to dissect. So I will eventually get to every single thing that you guys want me to. I promise, I promise. All that being said, let's get started. My sources this week are biography.com, PBS, Britannica, and uh, Wikipedia for dates and stuff like that. So here we go. Edward Moore Kennedy was born in Boston, Massachusetts on February 22nd, 1932. He was the youngest of all of the nine Kennedy children to Rose and Joseph P. So he was the baby and he was treated as such. His mom and his dad kind of didn't have high expectations for him as far as putting tons of pressure on him. They very much just let him be the baby of of this big, huge family. And so he was kind of a goofball. He was always the jokester, really outgoing, just kind of the ones, you know, the one at the party that's always just life of it and slinging jokes and all that stuff. thing to remember, though, is he actually obviously dealt with a lot of trauma in his life very early on. He lost Kathleen, which was Kick. He lost Rosemary to the lobotomy, and obviously she was put away. I've got an episode about that if you want to learn more about Rosemary, but she was put away in a facility and not told where she was and all this horrible stuff. He lost Joe Jr. in a plane crash, so he dealt with some stuff early on that would obviously impact you. Also, let's remember that the child rearing of Rose and Joseph P. was not one of always touch football in the yard fun. They were put under really strict guidelines for making sure they were up on current events at the dinner table, making sure they were structured, making sure they weren't one minute late for dinner, making sure they were got this, 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 and this done. Even though he had that leniency, he still was expected to perform in all of those ways. 
1946, he went to Milton Academy, which was like a college prep boarding school type of thing, a little bit south of Boston. And he was super into athletics and drama, debate, and the glee club. And according to Biography.com, while he was performing well, he failed to be a standout student when compared to his overachieving brothers. So his father wrote him relentlessly about his grades as well as his weight and encouraged his son to push himself harder. Ted graduated in 1950 and followed his brothers to Harvard University. So here comes a little bit of issue at Harvard. He starts playing football and he's killing it like an awesome star football player. And something happens. He is not doing so great in Spanish. His grades are slipping, and to be on the football team at Harvard, you don't get to have grades slipping. So he made a bad decision and had someone else take his Spanish final exam for him, and he got found out. He got expelled from Harvard, which, big no-no for a Kennedy, as we all know. Because he was expelled, he ended up enlisting for a couple of years in the army and through Joseph P's helpings and whatnot, he ended up receiving an assignment as a guard at the Supreme Headquarters Allied Command in Paris, France. He had to do that for a couple of years before he actually got the opportunity to re-enroll at Harvard. So in 1952, he enrolled again and he was accepted, thankfully. He ended up playing football again, was absolutely incredible at football, and he ended up graduating. But before he graduated, he attracted the interest of the Green Bay Packers. They've tried really hard to sign him on the football team, but he ended up rejecting that offer in 1955 and said that he wanted to go into politics instead. He went forward with going into law school at the International Law School before entering Virginia Law School, and he got his law degree there in 1959. So let's back up a little bit. While he was in law school, he actually met his first wife, Joan Bennett, and she was introduced to him at a dedication speech for a gym that the Kennedys had donated to the campus of the Manhattanville College. She was a beauty queen, was a model. I mean, if you've seen Joan, you know she was gorgeous, but she also wasn't really into politics at all. She just kind of fell for Ted. He fell for her and bala bing. Here we go. They got engaged and According to Wikipedia, which I don't really like to use as a source, but here we are, she was kind of skeptical about the whole wedding because she didn't feel like she really knew him that well, but Joseph P. was the one that actually gave him the nudge to go on and get married, so they did. They got married on November 29th of 1958 at St. Joseph's Church in Bronxville, New York, and then had the reception at Siwanoi Country Club. They ended up having three children together, Kara, Ted Jr., and Patrick. Okay, so let's jump back to political career. So he ended up being admitted to the Massachusetts Bar in 1959. And then in 1960, when JFK started running for president, he helped a ton with his campaign. He managed it in all the Western states. So Ted was just a huge asset to JFK in those Western states. And I mean, just did his job wholeheartedly, really put his heart and soul into it and made some good connections all all over. So after Ted helped JFK win the presidency, he went on to become a representative for the state of Massachusetts at the age of 30. And there's a whole inner workings of how all that happened. Like they had appointed somebody to hold the seat and then he had to wait to become of age and all that kind of stuff. That's a real big thing I want to dive into is how he got elected into the seat. So that will be a separate episode in the future of his political inner workings and careers. Look for that in the future. Now, something we really need to stop and remember is that Ted was up against two very strong brothers. You have JFK and you have Bobby, who are both powerhouses. And 
obviously so emulated and looked up to and all the things among the family and among the country and the world. So Ted always felt a bit of an inferiority complex with that. He was just not really the one under pressure, though, because he was third brother down the line. He kind of got to do his thing, skate underneath the radar a little bit, but also still had this thing in his own soul of knowing, hey, I I can never compete with them. They're the shit. That all kind of came crashing down, though, after President Kennedy was tragically assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. Obviously, then he kind of moves to second brother in line, but still Bobby held the weight of the family's world on his shoulders, no doubt. And then Ted's life kind of takes a really tumultuous turn at that point. He gets in a plane crash. So he spent weeks in the hospital recovering from a back injury and internal bleeding, which, I mean, it's just a miracle that he lived anyway. But he did end up suffering with horrible chronic pain, much like JFK, for the rest of his life because of that. He actually wasn't even able to re-campaign for his seat in 1964 because of his injuries and the plane crash and everything. But he ended up winning by a landslide, even though he didn't campaign. That worked out for him. So there was a time in the late 60s where... Ted started speaking out against the Vietnam War. I'm going to explore later the Kennedy's stances in that because I feel like there's a lot that I want to cover that Bobby did and how he spoke out against it and his um, kind of downfall of his relationship with LBJ and how that kind of was in relation with, with this a little bit. So I'll talk about Ted in that as well. But he did take some years and time to really speak out against it. One of the biggest tragedies of... Ted's life happens when he loses his closest brother and friend, Bobby, in 1968. As we've played the eulogy before, he said, My brother need not be idolized or enlarged in death beyond what he was in life, to be remembered simply as a good and decent man who saw wrong and tried to right it, saw suffering and tried to heal it, saw war and tried to stop it. He was devastated. It seems like from what I've read, he was devastated very much in the way that Bobby was devastated after JFK was killed. It just was such a horrible thing in their lives. They had to mourn them so heavily. And I'm not saying that Ted didn't mourn JFK, but I mean, he had those years where he and Bobby were the only ones and they had really, really bonded. So it was it was devastating. It was terrible to him in his life. And then he was left to be the one, the golden child, the one that was supposed to take the Kennedys above and beyond and everything. The political weight was suddenly on his shoulders along with being the patriarch of the entire family because Joseph P. by this point had had a stroke and he couldn't really speak out and handle everything. So it was suddenly very much on Ted's shoulders to be the go-to and the one for the family. So let's fast forward a little bit to 1969. Kennedy was actually the youngest ever majority whip in the United States Senate, and he was already a front runner for the Democratic presidential nomination. So things were going good at that point, still obviously in turmoil in his own life, but then he could have easily stepped up the rankings politically and probably been elected pretty easily, but then dun, 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 Chappaquiddick happened, and I'm not going to cover Chappaquiddick because I've already done it. So there is a full-on episode, kind of in my earlier ones, about the entire saga of Chappaquiddick. Please go listen to it. If you haven't listened yet, you will hear a lot of information in there. But for those of you that don't want to listen to the whole episode, even though you should, Chappaquiddick was when he accidentally drove his car off an unmarked bridge on Chappaquiddick Island. This was July 18th, 1969, and he had a woman named Mary Jo Kopechny in his car. She was 28 years old, and she drowned. So a judge, because of this whole thing, later found Ted Kennedy guilty of leaving the scene of the accident because he did not stay to rescue. He left. Yeah, it's a lot. Go listen to the episode if you don't know about it or haven't listened to it yet. 
So there's this whole scandal. He and let's remember he and Jones' relationship is kind of especially at this point in turmoil. But he was still reelected to the Senate despite the scandal. Although before he had been probably set up to run for president pretty soon, Chappaquiddick really took away those chances for the next couple terms. He did not run in 72. He didn't run in 76. But in 1980, he decided, I'm going for it. I'm running. He started running against Jimmy Carter in the primaries. Now, he thought that because Carter didn't have a great first term that he would be able to just pass him in the rankings and make it and it would be okay. But the campaign was kind of a flop, unfortunately. I know Joan kind of, she was helping him along with it, but I don't think their marriage was too great at the time. And she said some things that were kind of weird and didn't sound too great. Not that that's her fault. I mean, the poor girl had been through it. And then he ended up answering a question in a interview where he was supposed to answer, why do you want to be president? He just flubbed the whole thing. I'll insert that clip right here. Why do you want to be president? Well, I'm... Uh, were I to, to make the, uh, the announcement and uh, to run, the reasons that I would run is because I have a great belief in this country that it is as more natural resources than any nation of the world, as the greatest educated population in the world, the greatest technology of any country in the world, uh, the greatest capacity for innovation in the world, and the greatest political system in the world. And yet uh, I see at uh, the current time that uh, most of the industrial nations of the world are exceeding us in terms of productivity, are doing better than us in terms of meeting the problems of inflation, that they're dealing with their problems of energy and their problems of unemployment. And it just seems to me that uh, this nation can cope and deal with its problems in a way that it has in the past. We're facing complex issues and problems in this nation at this time, but we have faced similar challenges at other times. And the energies and the resourcefulness of this nation, I think, should be focused on these problems in a way that brings a sense of uh, restoration uh, in this country by its people to, in dealing with the problems that we face, primarily the issues on the economy, the problems of inflation, and the problems of um, uh, energy. And uh, I would uh, basically uh, feel that, uh, that it's imperative for this country to either move forward, that it can't stand still, or otherwise it moves backward. So needless to say, it just didn't go well. And he ended up giving up the presidential bid in 1980 at the DNC, but he gave one of his most famous speeches to date, which I played a clip of earlier. If you haven't heard the whole thing, go listen to it for sure. Moving on, he stayed in the Senate, but he kind of lost a little bit of favor because as I was reading on biography.com, he really didn't agree with Reagan on much at all. And he was a very liberal man and a lot of his liberal beliefs were turnoffs to people at the time. So he kind of struggled to hold favor in those times. Also, privately, he was really struggling with alcoholism and cheating on Joan and they ended up getting divorced after 24 years of marriage in 1982. I'm going to do an entire episode on their relationship in the future because I've been asked to do that and I've been asked to do one on Joan alone. So that will be covered. 
Despite all of his struggles, though, he continued to get elected into the Senate. He was elected in 82 and again in 88. And he ended up remarrying a woman named Victoria Reggie in 1992. According to biography, he credits his recovery to his new relationship. Once the Reagan years were over and Bill Clinton came into office, Kennedy's favor kind of started looking up a little bit amongst his peers, and he started really championing something that he was passionate about, which was healthcare reform. He was an author of the 1996 Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, which allows those who change or lose their jobs to maintain health insurance and protects the privacy of patient information. And he also helped author the 1997 Children's Health Act, which increased access to health care for children age 18 and under. That was from biography.com. So, I mean, he ended up going on till the late 1990s, and that's a long time in the Senate. So he became one of their main members. Biography says he amassed a monumental legislative record, passing bills that affected the lives of many Americans of all classes and races. Kennedy sponsored legislation on immigration reform, criminal code reform, fair housing, public education, health care, AIDS research, and a variety of programs to aid the poor. On the Senate Judiciary Committee, he upheld liberal positions on abortion, capital punishment, and busing. Kennedy did this through political skills and bipartisan friendships with conservative Republicans, all the while maintaining his principal liberal roots. Teaming up with the conservative stalwarts such as Senator Nancy Kassebaum, John McCain, and Orrin Hatch, Kennedy has co-sponsored legislation on workers' health benefits, immigration, and funding of traumatic brain injuries. And he extended his legislative record into the new millennium. He worked with both Democrats and Republicans to pass the No Child Left Behind Act in an effort to close the achievement gap in public schools, and following the attacks of September 11, 2001, he coordinated with various agencies to respond to the mental health needs of victims' families. He also helped sponsor the Bipartisan Bioterrorism Preparedness and Response Act to prevent, prepare for, and respond to bioterrorism emergencies. An initial opponent of the war in Iraq, Kennedy sponsored legislation to procure additional armored Humvees in Iraq battle zones, and throughout the rest of the decade, Kennedy sponsored or co-sponsored legislation to enhance the ability of law enforcement to protect abducted children, reauthorized the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, and boost support of Hurricane Katrina victims and expand Medicaid coverage. Again, that was all from biography.com. I didn't want to try to paraphrase any of that. I wanted to get it all in there. But in 2008, on May 17th, he tragically had a bad seizure and found out that he had a brain tumor. His official diagnosis was malignant glioma, and he ended up having surgery. Here's a quote directly from him. I am deeply grateful to the people of Massachusetts and to my friends, colleagues, and so many others across the country and around the world who have expressed their support and good wishes as I tackle this new and unexpected health challenge. Then he said, I am humbled by the outpouring and am strengthened by your prayers and kindness. So he ended up doing well in the surgery. He was actually told that he it went really well and he was fine. And so as the presidential primaries of 2008 went forward, he endorsed Senator Obama for the presidency, but he just still was not doing too well health-wise. At the Obama's post-inauguration luncheon at the U.S. Capitol, he actually had another seizure. It caught up to him and... He tried to keep working but couldn't, and he ended up passing away on August 25th, 2009 from brain cancer. He was considered the liberal lion of the Senate. He's one of the many people in the Kennedy family that is covered in controversy, yet did a lot of stuff and accomplished a lot of stuff. He obviously dealt with lots of stuff in his life and uh, a lot of events that make people just not be able to stand him and a lot of events that make people really like him. So you're kind of at one end of the spectrum or the other as far as your opinions of Ted Kennedy go. 
So as I said, I'm going to do an in-depth episode on his relationships with Vicky and with Joan. I'll do one on his medical stuff, one a little more in-depth into his home life and his personality. I'll, I'll dive a little deeper into all aspects of Ted in the future, but I just wanted to go on and give you the content that I promised that I would. I hope you did learn something new. If you like the podcast, please rate it five stars and write a positive written review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you listen next week. I have an awesome interview lined up that I know you guys are going to be really excited for once you hear it. Check out the links in my episode description. I've got my Amazon recommendations. I've got my merch shop. I've got my Patreon. If you like the podcast and you want to support me, Patreon is a great way to do it. I hope you have a great week and I'll talk to you soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. The Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history. But what happened next? My name's David Montgomery, and I'm the host of The Siecla, a history podcast that tackles exactly that. Join me as I cover France's overlooked century in between Napoleon and World War I. The Siecla, spelled S-I-E-C-L-E, is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and can be found wherever you get podcasts.